Welcome to God's Word in 30 Minutes. Today, this is not a time to listen to God's Word, and I hope you're ready for it. So let us pray, shall we? Our Father, we thank you for your Word taught with clarity. We thank you for our hearts responsive to the teaching of your Word and the clarity that it brings. We thank you that skills fall off our hearts. We thank you because light comes into our hearts, floods of light as it were. And we thank you because we are established and strengthened in all of your will to the praise of the glory of your name. Amen. Alright, so as we go right into God's word, uh, we're going to lay a few foundations. Some of the things that we've laid before, some of the things we've said, we're trying to tie it together this week. Um, we've said from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, from verse 14, where Paul said to continue the things that you've learned and has been assured of doing of whom you've learned them from, from a child. You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation, which is true faith, which is in Christ Jesus. For all scripture, verse 16, it says, It's given by the inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. It says that the man of God may be equipped, uh, may, may be completely furnished, thoroughly equipped unto every good work. And we said that Paul meant that the scriptures are where the believers draw his biggest convictions from. He said Timothy had learned these things and had been assured of them. And then we went on to say that that means that because this is the situation with the believer, his strongest convictions therefore must find roots and evidence in the scriptures. And I remember I did a disclaimer. I said, I do not mean that your convictions about everything in the world. I mean, there are many things that have nothing to do with the scriptures. But everything that has that have roots with the scriptures, there are things that the scriptures emphatically has things to say about. Those things, your convictions should be from the scriptures. And then we went on to talk about why the scriptures were given, why God in all his wisdom, you know, left the scriptures and kept the scriptures for us. We saw that it was to the end that we would learn from them. So in Romans in chapter 15, Paul tells us that the scriptures, all these things were written for our learning that we through the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. In 1 Corinthians 10, 10, and Paul says that, he says that, um, in verse 11 rather, he says, now these things are written, these things happen to them and we're written. He says, this is happened as examples and then they are written for admonition, we upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And so the scriptures were written because of us. We were not the intended audience when those things were written, but God always had us in mind when those things were written. I'll say that again. We were not the intended audience of the writings of Paul, of the writings of Moses, of the writings of Jeremiah, Ezekiah, sorry, Zephaniah, Zechariah, um, Agai, Abakuk, Nahum, Obadiah, Malachi. We were not the audience. We were not the intended audience of the writings of Paul. We know the church letter to the church at Ephesus, the church at Corinth, and all of that. We were not even the intended audience of the letter of the of the revelation of john right it was to the seven churches and on and on but god always has kept these things for us because those things that are contained in those in those books are for our learning so the scriptures are for us we said the scriptures are able to make us wise so today and a few days and the two episodes that are about we're just going to wrap up around the christian and his bible and i just want to emphasize a few points today now very clearly um, one of the things that every believer ought to know is the reality of the indwelling of the Spirit of God. Now, I said ought to know because I've seen instances where you meet believers and you have conversations with them and they actually do not have answers. They do not know about the fact that the Holy Ghost already indwells them and they have the sickness experience where the Holy Ghost will come to them and they hope that it shows up at every meeting, whereas it's always there in every meeting. Now, I, I want to emphasize that point today because I'm going somewhere, but I want to start there, all right? So in, where do we start from? In Ephesians and chapter 1, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus when he was talking up to them about the spiritual gifts in the, the spiritual blessings that we have in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I know that you can literally hear the pages of my Bible flip, so 
Uh, I'm not apologizing for that. They are reading from the Bible. <laughs> in Ephesians in chapter 1, in verse 13, it says that, In whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So there is a clarity, there is a, a clear conviction that the believer ought to have about the Holy Ghost. And that's the fact that the Holy Ghost is the promise that God made with salvation. The moment a man believes the gospel of Jesus, Paul tells us that the moment and when you heard and you believed, you were sealed. In other words, the giving of the Spirit is what God does when a man believes the gospel. That is how God marks the man to have believed the gospel. And that's key. I'm going somewhere, all right, but I want to start here. The giving of the Spirit is how God marks that the man has believed the gospel of Jesus. So what we receive when we believe the gospel is the Holy Ghost. In Acts in chapter 2. In Acts in chapter 2. Now, I like the pages of my Bible, Philippians, instead of the other times when it sounded like I was all quiet. So now you know what I'm doing when it looks like I'm quiet. <laughs> in Acts in chapter 2. When you read, um, we know the story now that we always said, many people say the Holy Ghost came down, even though I, I've always argued that the Holy Ghost did not come down in Acts in chapter 2. Uh, I don't believe that Acts 2 was the day that the believer that the disciples got born again. That's that's a very preposterous statement, because it would be, and, I, and because of that, I don't believe Acts 2 was the day they had the Holy Ghost in their hearts for the first time. I believe that Acts 2 is the day that they agreed with the Holy Ghost to have ex that experience with the Holy Ghost, the day they finally yielded to the Spirit of God, um, the day of Pentecost. But I don't believe that that was the very first time that the Holy Ghost began to indwell their hearts for very clear reasons. Right for very clear reasons. In John and chapter, uh, let, we'll, we'll come back there. In, let me just go there. In John and chapter 5, or John and chapter 7 rather. In John and chapter 7, in verse 38 and 39. John 7, 38 and 39. I'll start from 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone, if anyone tests, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. I like how KJV puts it correctly, out of his belly. KJV puts it, but out of his heart, NKJV rather, puts it correctly, is the right word. Out of his heart flows rivers of living water. But these he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what would those believing in him receive when Jesus is glorified? The Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is what Jesus was actually seeking to accomplish. We can say like this, that what Jesus did... In his death, burial, and resurrection was to the end that man would finally have the Spirit of God in his heart. Alright? So, the goal of the death, burial and, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was to the end that the man who, that meant mankind would receive the Holy Ghost in their hearts. So, let's go back to Acts in chapter 2 because I needed to lay that down. I, I want to talk about something. Maybe I'll talk about it next time. But I want to talk about something. About why the Bible is important to the man who has the Spirit of God. Because... Uh, you meet some people and they say things like, I'm a spirit person. I'm not a word person. And it's a ridiculous statement. I find that statement to be ignorance quoted in pride. You cannot say that I'm a spirit person. I'm not a word person. I'm not a Bible person, but I'm a spirit person. How did you receive the spirit without the word? How did you know you had the spirit without the word? How did you get the information about the spirit without the word? So it's a ridiculous statement, but I want to address that in the Christian and his Bible because I know that many believers have that opinion and that standpoint where they say things like that, that, you know, I don't need the Bible. I have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is my teacher. It teaches me, so I don't really need to read the Bible. That's, that's a, a ridiculous statement. It's a statement of ignorance, 
right? But would address that. That's what I want to address. So in Acts in chapter two, in Acts in chapter two, after Peter rose up and preached, and I told you, like I said, I said that Jesus did not, the disciples did not receive the Holy Ghost in their hearts the first time on the day of Pentecost. What happened at Pentecost was that they had that experience, that ex- exposure to the ability and the uh, the utterance gifts. All right, that's not the first time that the Holy Ghost was in their hearts. It cannot be because if it was, then that would nullify everything we preach because we preach. Now, when a man believes that Jesus died for his sins, was buried and rose from the dead, when a man believes in the resurrection of Jesus, the man receives eternal life. The man receives the Holy Ghost. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 1.13. It says, and after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, before we ask you, go to 2 Corinthians in chapter 1. Just again so you can see this. 2 Corinthians in chapter 1. Because this is vital. This is very vital. This is very important. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse um, 20. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ, and has anointed us, God. Look at verse 22. Who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So the Holy Ghost is in our hearts. In 1 Corinthians in chapter, in chapter 6, Paul lays that argument again, says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Holy Ghost lives in you? Know you not that you are the tabernacle of God? So, we cannot say that the man has believed the gospel and he did not receive the Holy Ghost. Now, if the disciples that gathered together in what we often call the upper room, which technically was Solomon's temple, if the disciples that gathered together, stayed together in the upper room, gathered in Solomon's temple, if those guys had believed that Jesus died for, from the dead for their sins and had given it and, and, and rose, was risen from the dead to give eternal life, then they had the Holy Ghost as at Acts 2. In fact, I can say it like this. They had the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost as at Acts chapter 1. But they did not have the experience of the what we call the infilling or what we call the baptism of the Holy Ghost, however, whatever phrase or terminology you want to use. They did not have that experience until Acts in chapter 2. Now, having said that, look at Acts 2 again, because I want to lead this bear clearly. You must understand that no man who has believed the gospel of Jesus is the void of the Holy Ghost. No man, not one. Every man, when he believes the gospel of Jesus, what God puts in his heart, 2 Corinthians 1.22, is the seal, the guarantee of the Spirit. The Spirit is the mark of permanence that God places in his heart, in the heart of the man that believes, so that that man is forever his own. All right? The Spirit is how we become sons of God. Acts in chapter 2. Acts in chapter 2. And um, in verse 38. And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So the you believe, repent, and let everyone of you baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the moment I repent unto the remission of sins, how do I repent unto the remission of sins? How do I repent to the remission of sins? That is, I recognize that I by myself cannot do anything about my sins to end myself for forgiveness and remission. I cannot do anything to wash myself clean before God and make myself holy and just and acceptable before God. So what I would do is that I receive the work of Jesus to wash me. 
So I say that I believe that Jesus died for my sins, that he was buried and he rose again the third day to give me eternal life. And I haven't said that and I haven't believed that. Paul, Peter says that when you believe that and you receive the remission of sins, he says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In other words, the Holy Ghost is the guarantee that you are a believer. I said that again. The Holy Ghost in your heart is the guarantee that you are a believer. So you cannot be a believer without the Holy Ghost. You cannot be a believer who does not have the Holy Ghost. God has no son. God has no plan of such that a man who believed the gospel and not have a spirit. That's not at all. Could it have happened? Was was that a situation before? Yes, that was the situation before Jesus died and rose from the dead. So before Jesus died and rose from the dead, men believed in the work of the Messiah to come. But because Jesus was not yet glorified, John 7, 38, 39, we saw that, 37, 38, and 39. Because Jesus was not yet glorified, there was no way at all that the Spirit of God would have come into their hearts. So they had experiences with the Spirit of God, but not the indwelling of the Spirit of God. So when Jesus died and rose from the dead, what he did was to the end that man, the man that believes, would now have in his heart the Philadelphia Luku Fragada de Philo Propoke Seladande Brahavaticos, Beladium Babaha, Baravivum Brocostoparadi, Estemande Baradigon, Skeparadistophos. As I speak to you now, you've never spoken in tongues before, and your heart, your heart has longed for it. And you've wondered by and by, probably it was not for you, or probably you're not ready, or the Holy Ghost was not ready, or Jesus was not ready, or something was not ready, or maybe you're not qualified. But I tell you this right now, that as, as you hear this word, there's the There's the ability of God right now within you in your heart by spirit that indwells you. For kefile practice for you to speak in other tongues. For you to speak in other tongues. For the promise is to you. The promise is to you. All right. You are part of those who have received that promise. So you can. But I, I'm not going to talk about tongues today. But the velati enema de ba So don't dilly dally. All right. Don't dilly dally around. Is it for me? Is it not for me? Am I qualified? Am I not qualified? Am I worthy? Am I not worthy? Rather, recognize the fact that Jesus did a good job. He died for your sins. To make you acceptable before God. He's made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's placed a spirit in your heart, a seal of permanence. And so by that spirit, you have the ability to speak. So you can just go ahead right now. So how would I do that? Just go ahead right now. Just just quiet, right? God's spirit within your heart, eager to put you over, right? Eager to put you over all the circumstances as you learn to glean of the riches of the spirit of God, as you use, as you yield your tongue to him in utterance, and as by your own mouth you would speak for the things of the spirit of God, the will, the plan of God for your life. And you realize that all the while that it seemed that the will of God and the plan of God was unreachable, it was all the while within your reach, on your lips, in your heart, on your lips, by the vida vertombre the stagabal, by the vehicle of the Spirit of God indwelling you and causing forth the power of God to flow via your lips in other tongues. Amen. Amen. So I said, God puts His Spirit in our heart when we believe the gospel. Galatians. Look at Galatians. Galatians and, and in chapter 3. I want the pages of my scriptures to flip so you know that I'm not just keeping quiet. 
I love this. You know, I'm one of those stickers for ad covers. Um, old school like that. I'm a pretty young man, but old school like that. I'm one of stickers for hard covers. In Galatians and chapter chapter three. Actually in chapter four. Galatians and chapter three in sorry, Galatians in chapter four. In verse six it says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out Abba Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then and hear of God through Christ. So you are a son because God has put the spirit of his son into your heart. You must understand the terminology. It doesn't mean that you became first a son of God, then God put the spirit of his son into your heart. You became a son by the spirit of God in your heart. So it's just a use of words, all right? And if you pay attention to the context, it was talking about the fact that Prior to the time, the Jews did not have the faith, right? They did not believe the gospel of Jesus. So they were under the bondmaster, the Pythagoras in the Greek, the, the, the law. They said the law, the law was given as a taskmaster, as a bondmaster, until we came of age, until we became sons. And when did we become sons? When did we come of age? When God sent his son to die, born of a woman to die for our sins. So now the man that believes that work because you are sons, right? Because you have come of age. You have come to realize what the law was for, that the law was to lead us to Christ, and you have come to see Christ in the law. He's talking to folks who knew the Jewish Torah, right? So you, you've come to see that Christ is the end of the law to every man that believes. And by that, it doesn't mean that Christ demolishes the law. It means that Christ is what we reach when we go through the law. When we study the law, when we pay attention to the writings of Moses, Christ is the end of the law to every man that believes. All right, so what, what's, what, what do we say? That the man that has not believed has not gotten to the end of the law, the goal of the law, the intent of the law. Christ is the goal of the law for every man that believes. So that said, so it says here that God sent the spirit of his son in our heart. Romans in chapter 10. Romans in chapter 10. Romans in, is it chapter 10? Chapter 8, sorry. Romans in chapter 8. Romans in chapter 8. So it says here, I'll jump a lot of things and just get right into it. Verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Then it says, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So you cannot say you belong to Jesus and not have his spirit. That's what it's saying. You cannot say you belong to Jesus. Say, I belong to Jesus, but I don't have the Holy Ghost. That's a lie. It says, if anyone has not the spirit of Christ, it doesn't belong to him. He's not a member of the family of God. Because what we, how we identify members of the family of God is that having believed, they have the spirit of God. Right? Having believed, they are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So he says, you have the spirit of God. The Holy Ghost, the spirit of God is in you. You have the spirit of Christ. In verse 10 it says, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of, the, of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will raise Christ from the dead, would also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the spirit of God dwells in us. That's the reality of the man that has believed the gospel of Jesus. He has the spirit of Christ. The spirit of God dwells in him. Ezekiel, in Ezekiel in chapter 36. So how do you know all the scriptures? I kind of know them already. All right, Ezekiel 36. So one of the things that you must, you must learn as a believer is that you must, for every subject matter, for every topic, for every topic, topical discussion, as it were, 
for everything that can be discussed or brought about every subject matter in the scriptures. You must be able to have the scriptures that give the answer. All right. So that, that's that's one of the things. So what I'm teaching right now is something I can teach out of my dream. <laughs> wake me up. Pop, pop, pop. Come and teach this. I can say exactly what I've said. Not exactly as I've said it, but the same scriptures, the same quotation. All right. So that's one of the things you must learn to do. You must know the scriptures that explain the things that you believe. Because I always tell folks in church, and I always tell folks when I meet when I meet believers and we have conversations. The scriptures, the faith, the Christian faith is not the baseless faith. All right. There are facts, principles, teachings, truths that validate that validate and um, and revalidate the faith i know what i mean by that validate and revalidate there are things in the scriptures that when you know your heart will no longer shift if you tell me for instance that i do not have the spirit of god i'm just going to laugh at you if you tell me for instance that the holy ghost would ever leave me i'm just going to laugh at you i remember someone someone years ago um said that i was feeling proud this was talking to me and the, that the holy ghost will leave me and i smiled i said he can never leave say how dare you that kind of confidence that, that, that's what jesus said look before we go to ezekiel look at john chapter 14 but that's what jesus said you know sometimes we we have held highly our thoughts and our opinions above the things that jesus has said and you, you know this i'm slow and i'm not trying to rush we we'll take our time that's what Jesus said. Jesus said that um, the spirit of truth will abide with you forever. Right? Will abide with you forever. In John chapter 14, he says in verse 16, and I'll pray the Father will give you another helper for that may abide with you forever. It may abide with you forever. So the moment forever no longer is forever, then something is wrong with that spirit of truth. It's not the spirit of truth. And then I told the person that day, I said, Plus, he didn't come into my heart because I asked him into my heart. And that's what many believers often miss. So, after you believe the gospel of Jesus, and I said, Dear Holy Ghost, I call, beseech you, I beg you, come into my heart, live in my heart. That's not it. When you believe the gospel of Jesus, God has placed it upon himself to give you spirit. And to give you his spirit permanently, eternally. Never changing his opinions or his thoughts. Now, remember... Remember, Paul tells us that the gifts of God are irrevocable, right? And if the Spirit of God in our hearts is a gift from God or a gift of God, then the indwelling of the Spirit is an irrevocable thing. Do you understand this? If the gifts of God are irrevocable, the gifts of God are without repentance, and the indwelling of the Spirit is a gift of God or a giving of God, then the indwelling of the Spirit is an eternal thing. The indwelling of the Spirit is a permanent thing. The indwelling of the Spirit cannot be reversed. So I told that lady that day, I said, I said, if the Holy Ghost ever leaves me, which he would never, but if he ever leaves me, when he gets to heaven, he would explain to Jesus what Jesus did wrong. That, I, I, I'm a proud guy. I said, he would explain to Jesus what Jesus did wrong that made him leave me because he did not leave me because I needed, I asked him to come. He came to me, or rather, he did not come to me because I asked him to come. He came to me because Jesus did a work that necessitated that anybody who believes that work will receive the Spirit. It's like saying that, in the 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 the, the brazen serpent that Moses raised on the road, that the man will look at that serpent and then he will still have you still be dead you still die, you still be tormented by the serpents and the 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 sting of the serpent will still kill him. You know if that ever happens, if that happened at all, then it won't be it won't be what did the man do wrong. It will be what is wrong with the serpent because the instruction is that if I look at the serpent, I will live. Right. So the same way. 
the spirit of god in our hearts is not because we are good guys or nice guys we're better people or we're, we're more important people or we're, our lives are better than what they were 10 years ago and all of that no the spirit of god in our hearts is because jesus did the work is that he died he was buried he rose from the dead to give us eternal life that eternal life is the spirit of god in our hearts so the man that has believed the gospel has in his heart the very spirit of god and that is a very vital factor in the christian faith in fact let me say it like this there are some things that are very important that every believer should know one that god is his father two that jesus is his lord three that the holy ghost is in his heart i take that again see they are vital truths one that god is my father and he's a good father that two jesus is my lord and he's a good lord he's my master and my king Three, that I have the Holy Ghost in my heart because I believe in the gospel of Jesus, right? And that Holy Ghost in my heart has now put me over. So now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because the Holy Ghost is in my heart. I'm sanctified, justified, forgiven because the Holy Ghost is in my heart. You must understand this very important truth. Ezekiel 36, then we go to 1 Peter. Now, I just want to I'll try and wrap it together wherever we can. Ezekiel 36. Oh, I've closed that. And it says here, it says, verse 25, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols, and I will give you a new heart, and put a new spirit within you, and I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you. Can you say this? So I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you keep my judgments and do them. It says, I will put my spirit in you. Now it says, if you, now, if, you began, if you begin to think, oh, it's because of something I did, look at how God ends that conversation in verse 32. Not for your sake I do this, says the Lord. Let it be known to you. Be you ashamed and confounded in your ways, O house of Israel. It says, not for your sakes did I do, will I do this. Not for your sake do I do this. All right? So it is not because you have done good or you are better now or you are better than somebody else. That's why the Holy Ghost is in you. Mm-hmm. Not for your sakes, but for my name's sake. I will do it for my namesake. That's what God said. I'll do it for my namesake. In First Peter chapter 1. And I'll just tie this together. So the believer, the man that has believed the gospel of Jesus, receives the moment that believes the gospel of Jesus, the indwelling of the Spirit of God. I'll take that one more time. The man that has believed the gospel of Jesus, the moment he believes the gospel of Jesus, receives in his heart... The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what does the job to make the man, to bring the man into the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 12, Paul says, By one Spirit we have been baptized into one body. In 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 2, I start from verse 1 Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, in Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect, he says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctity sanctification of the spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of jesus christ this is the sanctification of the spirit so the spirit in our hearts sanctifies us that's what it means so peter did not think that maybe there's one among them who just got saved yesterday and probably has, does not have the holy ghost in his heart yet no he has in his heart the holy ghost but pastor how about those times when we read in the Bible and it says, for instance, in Acts chapter, it says the Holy Ghost was not yet falling on them. Yes, that's correct. Was not yet falling on them. Not that they did not have him in their hearts. Was not yet falling on them. You, you, 
There's a terminology in the scriptures, and I hope we'll be able to look at that as we proceed in God's word in 30 minutes. There are terminologies in the scriptures. There's a spirit upon, the spirit falls upon, or it fell down by the spirit. Those are not the same as the spirit in the heart. In the heart. So in your heart is the Holy Ghost. And that is true because the word says it's true. Come on, are you following this? That's where we're going. That's where we're going next time. That is true because the word says it's true. So in Ezekiel 6, it says, I'll give, you a, I'll give you a new heart. I'll take the stony heart out of your flesh. I'll put a heart of flesh in you. Heart of flesh simply means that a heart that is responsive. When you hold a stone, you cannot squeeze a stone. When you hold a heart of flesh, you can squeeze it. You can put your imprint on it. That's what it means. Really, that's what it means. I can imprint. So it says, and I'll write my law on your heart. So do you understand? So that's that's what he's trying to say. Go back to Ezekiel 36. Whoosh. Let me just tie it together. That's what he was trying to say when he says, heart of flesh. It says, I'll, and then I'll put my law in your heart. So the heart of flesh and they say, I'll put my spirit, 27, Ezekiel 36, 27, I'll put my spirit within you. I cause you to walk in my statutes. So the spirit of God in us is the gift of God that will never leave us. That is an eternal gift that we received when we believe the gospel of Jesus. Now, I know we're looking at the believer in his Bible, and I'll get to this the next time. But I want to first lay this out, that the man who has believed the gospel of Jesus has the Holy Ghost. Let's say this together as we close. I believe Jesus died for my sins. That he was buried, and that he rose again the third day to give me eternal life. By faith in Jesus, I have today the Holy Ghost in my heart. I have today the Holy Ghost in my heart. I am sealed by that Spirit of God, and it's a forever thing. Hallelujah! It's a forever thing. Glory to God. Meet next time. Stay tuned. Share with somebody, and be ready for God's Word in 30 minutes again.